listening to the Art Problems Podcast, Episode 8. I'm your host, Patty Johnson. This is the podcast where we talk about how to get more shows, grants, and residencies. And in honor of the Miami Art Fairs, which are taking place as we speak, I want to dedicate this episode to discussing the mechanics of art fairs. So we're going to go fully down the rabbit hole, and I'm going to tell you exactly how the sausage gets made. What are they? How do you participate? How can you get the most out of your participation? And how do you position yourself if you don't sell your work and you don't want to participate in the fairs? So if you are new to the concepts of fairs and you don't really, you hear about them, but you don't really know how they work, this will give you the overview you need. If you know a shit ton about them, I would bet you a lot of money that you don't know all the details that I'm going to share here. So there will really be something for everyone. So let's start with a just straight up overview of what these things are. So, and we'll be focusing on the Miami fairs for the sake of convenience here. So fairs exist all over the world, but Miami is the big one for the United States. So that's what we're talking about. So once a year, Galleries, collectors, curators, consultants, designers, and artists head to Miami for the fairs. So, if you haven't been, they are held in giant convention centers, tents, and hotels, and consist of hundreds of booths. And they're rented to galleries who bring artwork to sell during some nicer weather than we have got up here in New York, where I live. So there are over 20 international fairs that take place during this week and more than 1,200 galleries participating, not to mention the tens of thousands of artists. So you can see, just based on what I've said, like why these things are such a draw. Now, each fair identifies a fairly specific niche or collector market that they want to attract. I'm not going to discuss all of them because there are 20 of them here and that's just, we would be here forever. Plus it'd get kind of tedious. The distinctions between one fair and another, sometimes is really <laughs> just not that interesting at all. But the three, the big three that you want to know about, you want to visit are Art Basel. That's all the blue chip work. Nada, they're a nonprofit fair. They're middle market and emerging. They're the ones that are officially endorsed by Art Basel Miami. And Untitled, they tend to be more middle market, a little bit more conservative in their art. In addition to hosting galleries, during the day, most fairs host special programming as an extra draw to visitors. So, for example, I'm giving a talk on the connection between athletic performance and a career in the arts. And I'm doing that on Friday at 6 30 a.m. for Nada Presents with the gallery Northern Southern, and we're going to be going for a run. So the meeting is actually not at NADA. It's on 8th and Ocean because that's the best place for a run. But if you want to join me there, I would love to have you. And I think we're going to do something to make sure that that talk is recorded. So if you can't make it, hopefully there will be some version of it available online. Now, in the evenings for fairs, the scene is really known for its like fancy dinners, celebrity parties, and like 
coked out events, which brings me to a fairly common observation, which is most artists I know hate the fairs. And there's so many reasons for this. It's hard to even list them all, but I did produce a list because I think it's important to they why people hate these things also tells us a lot about them. And the first, I think the most obvious is that these fairs are not for us. They're for rich people. And that is not the vast majority of us. It's also like kind of awkward to see so many rich women starving themselves and so many men with elective dental surgery. It's not a reason to avoid the fair. In fact, a lot of people go just to sort of, I guess, I don't want to say stargaze, but like look at the weirdness that is like that culture. But I find it a little disturbing, quite honestly. They require, art fairs require a lot of talking about oneself. So that, and that tends to make a lot of artists nervous. But if you're there and there's like 5 million other professionals there, like you are going to end up talking about your work. It's a terrible way to show art. So that's really a big one. Like a lot of artists end up feeling like their work is compromised. It's really hard to stand out. There's also only certain kinds of art that work at an art fair. So it's a really limited viewing environment. Another really big downside is that they have a huge carbon footprint because like wealthy people get on their private jets, go all over the world for these things. And that's not good for the environment. So we are an industry that is doing our part in killing the world too. They, this is a big one that I think we don't talk enough about, which is they remind artists, they remind us, they remind you of sales and representation that you often wish you had. So if you're not there, like it can be really sad to go there and just see something that you want. And then a couple of other things that I think are are significant downsides. Fox News is often there. And I think in years past has tried to make fun of people they think might be stupid. That definitely happened to a former employee of mine who ended up writing his own viral post about his experience. But that's the internet. It's just terrible. Um, It's a really expensive trip, even if you're staying for a couple of days. So that I really don't love about it. There's also always too much to do. So it can be really stressful while you're there. All of that said, there are some pretty good perks. Now in Miami, the weather is really good compared to say Miami. I have often thought about going to the fair just for the weather. You can make a lot of money off sales as a participant. You can make great connections with curators, dealers, and collectors. You can see a lot of good art in a very short period of time, but you can get press. And those five points outweigh the 10 negative that I listed for very many number of people. So it's hard to imagine a time when art fairs won't be relevant. Now I said there, I guess it it was a couple of episodes, I said that they are not as relevant as they used to be. That is absolutely true but they are an economic force. So they're here. So as an artist, if you want to participate in the fairs, you have a few ways of doing it. Now, this is where we really get into the sausage making, because I'm going to go through 
what happens with your gallery, what you need to do, and what the timeline is for all of this so that you get a sense of what you need to be thinking about and when. Because if you do want to participate in a fair, like I want you to be talking to your gallery about this and I want you to be planning with them. And that takes a significant amount of lead time. So ideally, when working with a gallery, when you have these conversations with them about what a contract might look like, I would definitely be looking for something that promises a certain number of fares over the representation period. So a gallery that goes to art fairs is more valuable than a gallery that does not. A gallery that will take your art to art fairs is more valuable to you. You want your work to sell. The gallery will need to apply with your work And those applications open as much as 11 months before the fair. So galleries that apply to Art Basel Miami, which is happening now in December, that application opens up in February, right? So that gives you a sense of how long the lead time is for galleries. Now, there's often a lot of dealer politics involved in getting acceptance into these curated fairs. And I would wager that there's often just as much politics as there is like a perceived market for the work submitted that informs the selection process. So dealers are doing a lot of work behind the scenes, trying to talk to the people on the boards who are making those selection processes and making sure that their galleries are selected because they care. They don't want you to go to another gallery that can represent them like your work at a fair, right? They want to be able to make that money themselves. So there's a lot of wheeling and dealing behind the scenes. And I think we should all be very thankful that that's something that a dealer has to worry about. And we don't have to because it's exceedingly stressful. Now, the other thing that is stressful for galleries is that they often need to put deposits down for the during the application process that are non-refundable if they are selected for the fair. Now that may seem like, well, what's a big deal? If you put a $2,000 deposit down and you, you're selected, why does it matter? Well, for example, if you are a gallery that was accepted into Entitled and to apply, you were required to pay several thousand dollars that they won't give back if you're selected and you're selected, but you are also selected because you are not putting all of your eggs in one basket, you are also selected for Art Basel, then you have a problem, right? Because you, most galleries are going to want to do Art Basel. It's the bigger fair. The, there are definitely curators and advisors that only go to Basel and don't go anywhere else. So that is the fair that you would want to be at. But Untitled makes it a little bit more difficult to say, okay, I'm going to do Art Basel instead of Untitled because it's going to cost the gallery $2,000 or more to make that decision. So that's something that the fairs do to stay competitive. I don't know that they all do it. I definitely know that Untitled does that. And that's like, that's definitely a lot of stress. Now, I mention this not because it's your job to worry about it, but because I think there's a considerable amount of time and expense that goes into a fair. And it's just important to understand what the gallery is investing in you, right? 
And so that's a big thing. Like if I'm pretty sure that like booze at Untitled and Art Basel, like a a reasonably sized booth, cost about $50,000, right? That is a big investment for a gallery to make. So there's a lot of nerves around these things. The gallery selection process takes about six months, which means you're only going to have three to four months of prep time and often much less. So you ideally are producing work that anyway that can be used because that's not a lot of prep time for you to get ready for a fair. Now, your job as an artist is to make sure that your art is ready and that you're talking to everyone you know and don't know about the upcoming event. And so, for example, we have a network artist who recently got a mention in the Miami Herald for a show that she is doing at one of the fairs from a very well-known curator in Miami. And that came through an email that she sent over a year ago that he never responded to that wasn't related to this at all because she didn't know that she was doing this until a couple months ago. And a few comments that she made on his Instagram when she had something to say. And I mentioned this because all of these connections that you have, they're a slow build. And a lot of times you don't even know that somebody was paying attention because they don't write you back, right? Like they're busy. They don't talk to you until they have a reason or some sort of opportunity. And so you may not know that they're interested at all. So moving on. You can also, let's say you don't have a gallery, but you want to show, you can show at a fair that rents booth space to artists. Now, Satellite and Spring Break are the most visible of all of those types of fairs. Spring Break does not do Miami. Satellite tends to be, tends to be there for that. And I just want you to remember that like any investment, you should be able to afford to not make money. Now, a deposit for spring break tends to run about $500, but satellite, cheap as it is, can cost three times or more that amount. Plus, you have to worry about shipping to get the work there. So these are fares that you do with the hope of selling, but not the expectation because they are attended by more artists then they are collectors. So you cannot go there with the expectation that you're going to make your money back because chances are you won't. And that's just the name of, that's just the way it is, right? Because when you go there, often you don't have a collector base yet. It takes a while to build that up. So collectors before they buy often want to know a person. So they, they'll hold off for a couple of years before they start making those purchases. And that's a long time for an artist, right? You're self-funding this whole thing. So, but the thing is, is that these fairs are, they're a good way to gain some visibility, get your foot in the door. They tend to be a little bit more loose and fun. So they're a really good way to make connections. And if you can, and do it at a lower cost than these larger fairs. Now, you can also give a talk, and that's one way that you can participate in the fairs. These can be good options for people who don't have anything to sell, but they're also a good way for artists to promote their art 
in the host fair. So if you have, if you're showing with a gallery and you have an idea that's related to the, like the booth that you have, like you can pitch that to them and they very often are interested if it's a good idea. I pitched a fair on a talk. And so those options are available to you too. In my case, I approached a dealer at one fair and the curator at another. And so one opportunity fell through, but the other one did not. And I started talking to people in June of 2022 for the December fair. So just so you know, like that was my lead time on it. And that would be yours too. Similarly, I mean, you can get started later. It's not like these things never come through, but like that's when you start thinking about these things. Now, you can also attend as a viewer. I think it can get a little bit pricey, but many fairs have discounted rates for artists and academics, or you can write about them or, and get the pass for free. So, the networking trick when you attend as a viewer is to expect nothing. Again, if you are attending as a viewer, like you can't have the expectation that you will make a return on your investment immediately. These are like long-term goals. So you want to talk to people about what they're doing. And if your work comes up, great. Sometimes dealers will want to talk about your work like near the end of a fair. That's when they're tired and they've spent like an entire week talking about the same art and they just can't do it anymore. It's also when they visit other booths. So there's a lot of opportunities near the end of the fair for networking with other exhibitors. And there tends to be more purchasing opportunities at the beginning of the fair. So if you think about it like that, that's where the opportunities sort of get split up. Doesn't mean that you can't sell something the last day of the fair, but it Usually the viewers are there near the tail end and the collectors are there near the beginning. So plan accordingly. Speaking of which, do not plan too much. My strategy is always to get the admission of the fairs covered because that can really add up. And then find a friend to split the hotel because that's expensive. And then just play the rest by ear. You want to run into people and that's the best way to do it. It's really good to just take a... Don't take these things too seriously. Just have a sort of relaxed attitude towards it and you'll have a good time. Now, you can also launch a public project. This usually involves working with a nonprofit and the New York-based ones that are not doing so much in Miami these days. So I think unless you're working with a more local organization, that might be a stretch. You can also launch an intervention. Now, I have some caveats for that. Like in my experience, these are usually not worth the effort if they take the form of art costumes, which like 100% are not taken seriously. Like a woman dressed in a bodysuit made of caution tape and attended the armory. Like basically that was spectacle. And then I think there was a guy who was like an art fair staple for a while. He was just like, he would style his hair in this windswept look. And then he had this tie that was uh, in this, it looked like it was caught in the wind too, but it was starched to all hell. So it wasn't moving at all. And he'd just like wear this, this tie and hairstyle. I remember him not because I thought it was good art, but because I saw him so many times and I thought it was ridiculous. So like, there's not that many. I also, like I never saw him at a gallery. Like those were the only 
places that you see them. So unless your art is like really specifically about just getting the things seen, it's not usually useful. I also prefer interventions in the form of unusual venues at these fairs. So dilapidated hotels, the trunk of a a car, roller rinks, aquariums, like paintings inside, like submerged in water, that sort of thing. I always think that stuff's fun. So anytime there's like sort of an interesting take on the presentation of art and, you know, I'm always really interested in that. And I would also say that like, I feel like that's really low hanging fruit for Miami that it has not been properly exploited because like there's just so much weird shit. And I mean, that's true of Florida in general. And I, I just feel like, I mean, maybe it's going on and I'm just not aware of it. I just think there's like, there's a lot more opportunities for weird shit to happen during these fairs than I ever see. If you don't sell your art or, and, or you're uninterested in doing that, I have a full article coming out on Hyperallergic on that subject very shortly. So we'll dive in there. But the main thing I want to communicate here is that the fairs are just events. And there are a lot of artists for whom they serve no practical purposes. So if you're working in the nonprofit sphere, you're not missing anything by not going to these things. If you don't want your work, if you don't want to sell your work, or if your work is about engaging audiences in more ways than just looking, these places usually aren't a great place to be. In fact, your work could very well be compromised due to that context, right? Because if you have anything that involves a lot of text, like nobody is going to read anything at an art fair. It's not, it's, it's about buying things. So there's not a lot of academic rigor attached. Well, maybe that's the wrong way of putting it. There's some academic rigor, but like it's not accessible in that format. So in these cases, I think it's really just best to position yourself relative to these fairs. Like the best way to position yourself relative to these fairs is to understand that they aren't for you so that you don't suffer from FOMO because that's not real. The biggest issue with the dominance of art fairs, in my opinion, is the fact that you can forget that other types of art exist. And on the Explain Me podcast that I do with William Pohaida, we talked about running into George Shear, the director of the Contemporary Arts Center in New Orleans at Freeze last spring. And he spent most of his time talking about the community engagement that they had through their program, Creative Assembly. That art just does not see the light of day at a fair. And even some of the more thoughtful art-making practices get reduced to just whatever will stand out in a sea of art. Now, George is there because he's got to like connect with board members and cultivate them for the purposes of donations and like understand what they're interested in. So he's there for a lot of professional reasons that like you as an artist working in that field will not need to be there. Just let him take care of it and don't feel bad about missing it because it's just not useful, right? And the program like Creative Assembly did see some representation through that networking, just not through the artist. So, you know, that circuitous route is maybe how that happens. Contemporary art fairs are highly context sensitive. So understanding how they operate is useful to navigating the field. 
but they are changing along with the rest of the world. So in two weeks, I'm going to be back and I'm going to be sharing my end of the year observations with all of you and the predictions for the year to come. This one is just going to be so good. So don't miss it. I think you're going to really, really like it. And as always, thank you for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review and share it with a friend. It really helps get that valuable information out to more artists just like you. You can find all of the links and the names we reference in this conversation at workshop.art slash podcast.